I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. When you get a hello from me, uh, that's like the equivalent of five exclamation points or four and a half smiley faces. Hello. Started from the bottom, now we bowling. I can't hear no hit up my name calling. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels here, the Real Hauntings podcast. That's right. If you heard that intro and you recognize that song, then you know we've got the one and only Juju Gotti on the podcast. That song is Van Dam off his new album of Dark Night. Juju, thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem, Bob. Thanks for having me, man. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Juju, you're probably new to the podcast. What we do here is we have on guests who simply just share a ghost story, something they've experienced, kind of share their life view on ghosts with us. And, you know, what better time now to bring some fun stories to everyone. So, Juju, why don't you tell our audience who isn't familiar with you? Of course, I know you from the Dan Levitard show, but, you know, we've got some people listening who may not be as familiar with the show. So why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm um, basically just like the next man. I had a a long struggle um, in my life. Um, at one point, I was homeless and going through a, a bad time. And that time pretty much transitioned me into doing music. I was sleeping on the couch of my homeboys. You know what I mean? They was doing music in the basement. And one day, I was like, let me be on the song. And they was like, all right, cool. And I heard it, sounded good. And they never played the song when we went out. They, they never gave it any burn. And so I was like, nah, I'm mad now. And I made a song towards them. And it was, it was the song that kind of propelled me. And that song took me on a tour with Wiz Khalifa, Snoop Dogg, uh, Kevin Gates, you know I mean, et cetera. And I'm an avid uh, fan of Greg Cody. 
which is a part of the Dan Levitar show. I have a tattoo of him. I got the tattoo when I was in the struggle in the streets because he represented pretty much hope. His, his belief in newspapers, which is pretty much a lost art right now. We got, we're in the media age, you know, and he's still adamant about his newspaper articles. And that inspired me to be adamant about believing in myself whenever, you know what I mean, in times where I, I really didn't. And so from that, I had that tattoo and it was inspiring to me. And years later, I, I met him and from there, our relationship grew. And that's the big dog and I salute him. So back to what you were saying kind of about your struggle and coming up in the industry, had you always had an interest in music? No, I actually, my interest in music actually was sparked by um, sleeping in the basement. I was like, I was sleeping outside in the streets for a good six months. And then one day I randomly seen a homeboy uh, at the store, and this is 2000, and this is before, because I was homeless two times, this is the first time, this is 2012, 2011, I was sleeping outside, and I seen one of my homies um, at the store, he was like, what's going on, what you got going on, and I was like, man, chilling, and he was like, come uh, listen to some of this music we got going, we're gonna put it out, um, and those people have blown up now, they are, if I say their names, you'd be like, fuck, Oh really? You know what I mean? Hell yeah, I won't do that. But <laughs> there, you know what I mean? They was in the, they was at their lower level at that point. Yeah. And uh, from there, they allowed me to sleep on the couch, and they didn't even know I was homeless. I was just kind of over there vibing. Then before I left, I let them know like, if you guys ever, you know, what I mean, have that open spot in here, I would love to, you know, what I mean, crash if I can. You know what I mean, because I really got nowhere to go. They heard that and couldn't believe it. It was overwhelming. It was like, nah, stay here now. And I just stayed downstairs in the studio. And so every time they was doing music, I was up, which was 24-7. And that's whenever I kind of found my passion in the music, you know? Like, doing a hook on their one song made me believe that, damn, I could do something. Because at that point, I had no job. I couldn't. It wasn't like I was not looking for a job. It was that I couldn't get one. I was applying to fucking McDonald's. They wouldn't call me back. Well, especially was then, that was that was during the recession, right? You said 2008? Yeah. Gas was like $1,000 a gallon. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I couldn't find no fucking job. And so at that time, that's pretty much what I saw as a parachute for my life. I didn't think I had, I didn't look at myself, which is, you know what I mean, a form of depression. I've been through all of it, man. I was not necessarily believing in myself like I should or like I was accustomed to doing. And I said, well, I can just maybe do music. That's something I might be good at. And I fell in love with doing it. And from that day forward, that's what I consider myself as a musician. Now, I would say that one of your the things that... Um... I think people draw to you as kind of your infectious personality. Uh, I had the privilege of getting to meet you at Moss Miami, and it was really comforting to see that you're the same person in public that you are, you know, on, on social media, kind of the charismatic, fun, funny yeah. guy. Um, do, do you feel like your personality played a role in your success in the music industry? I think so, just because, well, actually, nah, <laughs> because the people I feel <laughs> The people I deal with uh, musically, they were all like 
shiesty guys, you know what I mean? Every, oh, right. every music turn, yeah. And so I, I kind of believe that my personality, and I'm this way because I grew up in a home with my mom and dad. My dad was the pastor. My mom was the assistant pastor. So wow. I grew up in the church. I played the drums every week from the time I was five years old to 18. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where it was kind of beaten into me. And we're from the South, Southern Hospitality. You know what I mean? But that is kind of a snag when it comes to dealing with the snakes and the fucking, you know, scoundrels right. in the music industry because you have to be cutthroat. And I think that I've missed out on several opportunities because I'm not cutthroat. You know what I mean? When the next artist, like like I said, the people who I was with, it would blow your mind. You know what I mean? Because they are so successful at this time. So I've, I still don't see myself as successful at all. Like, you know what I mean? Because that's something I struggle with as well. You know what I mean? Focusing on my race and not worrying about other people's races, you know? But, yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's hard for a lot of creatives to balance kind of our nature versus getting in the game and right. kind of getting our hands dirty to get what we actually want out of it. You know? Right. 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 Cause some of those times I would have had to actually like, cause someone their like entire passion like, i would have had to cut certain people off at pivotal moments they wanted me to cut certain people who were with me the entire way i was doing music and then when i got to a certain level they were like okay we're gonna take you over now we're gonna put you in atlanta we're gonna put you in this but you have to cut these people off and i'm like whoa that's not necessarily what I'm accustomed to doing, you know? Like yeah. I'm, I feel like we, we ride together. Like you believed in me when I was nothing. We going to the top together. Right. And it was not like I had a whole team or army of, of in the associates. I had one manager, you know, and they were saying, cut him off. And so we can take you to this, through this door and we'll do this. And my loyalty to that guy, which is my friend still to this day, well, <laughs> You know what I mean? He passed away recently. He got... Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Hell yeah, but my my partner still to this day, he's still my partner and my loyalty to him pretty much shut some doors. You know what I mean? Yeah. The unfortunate part of the music industry. But I'm not going to let it dim my light. I let it dim my light at one point as well. Like I said, I was homeless two times. The first time um, was when I discussed. Um, the second time I got off of the tour with Wiz Khalifa and um, Snoop Dogg. And uh, me and my girl was going through something with me and the girl I was with. And we uh, we, we ended up splitting apart and I had kind of just let her keep the apartment, you know, mm -hmm. let, it, let it slide. And I went to stay with my friend who I'm discussing now, like uh, who I was loyal with. He had my back, you know what I mean? And then um, two, three weeks later, uh, he was murdered, you know what I mean, by wow. my other friend. Oh, shit. And so, I was, and so at that time, I had nowhere to live. You know what I mean? And so that's it. the exact times where people was like weeks prior was telling me to cut him off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that left a bad taste in my mouth and it kind of threw me for a loop mentally, you know, and I was sleeping back outside again. And that's whenever the, you know, Greg called you tattoos and all of that stuff started happening, trying to get myself back to believe in myself because that, that fucking shook me to the core. You know what I mean? Uh, I can't imagine. Well, and now you've got, you know, a whole 
army of people supporting you and behind you pulling for you you know i know the yeah. the stuff you do on instagram every day is, is something everyone yeah. really enjoys who follows the dan levitar show for sure hey yeah i appreciate it man i used to do it more but I, I slowed down now i used to do it at my job which is a funny story as well i lost my job because of the levitar show people what people were i mentioned where i worked in one of the first podcasts and i mean was like yeah he used to work there or whatever and so people started calling my job, like back to back oh, to back. No. I was just like, you never know. Oh, uh, God. Or, you know? <laughs> I guess they didn't know. Um, right, right. But my the owner didn't see it that way. And he was, you know what I mean? Salute to all of them over there. But it, it was just a, a disagreement. And so, so they, that's why my story's going down. Now I'm back in the streets doing what I have to do. So safe to say the owner didn't get the show? He did not get this damn show. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we always ask our guests is on a scale from one to 10, how much they believe in ghosts. So zero, meaning you don't believe in ghosts at all, or 10, meaning you're completely all in, ghosts are real. Where do you kind of fall on that scale? I fall definitely strong, a sturdy, sturdy 6.5. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would say, I'd say a lot of our guests, even, you know, people that have ghost stories and think they've seen ghosts fall about a five or six. There's something about that. Yeah. I, I think it's just human nature that it's, it's hard for us just to lean all the way in and, and trust, you know, whatever I, our eyes may have seen or what we may, we may have heard. Uh, one thing about our podcast mm -hmm. is we kind of approach things from a skeptical standpoint to kind of see what's out there, you know, so we have people come on and tell their stories. I mean, I myself, I think I saw a ghost when I was like 13 or 14, but who knows, you know, uh, but it's really uh -huh. fun to kind of hear all these stories and, and find out what people are going through. Uh, we've heard everything from yeah. mediums that claim that they see ghosts everywhere to, you know, crazy religious stories. It's It's been an interesting road to travel for sure. So you're here today. You've right. got a ghost story for us. What uh, What's your supernatural experience? Okay, disclaimer. My ghost story is not awesome, guys. <laughs> do not prepare yourself for some magical ride that you're about to go on. <laughs> do you do that to yourself right now? Spray yourself off. Uh -huh. All right. I was in my house one night, two in the morning, of course. Fucking, it was a dark and scary night. And I live alone, and I, I don't live in a necessarily populated apartment complex. Like, no one lives, like, on my side at all. And so, two in the morning, this is like four years ago. Two in the morning, not four years ago, two years ago. I was in the house by myself in the morning. I heard, uh, like, a, a pass of a gas, like a, you know what I mean? Like a, a straight up rip. <laughs> and I go in the kitchen. And I go in the kitchen like, nah, hell nah. You know what I mean? It's not, it's no fucking way. I just heard that shit. I cut the lights on. I went outside to my car. I sat in my car for like an hour. You know what I mean? I came back upstairs. Nothing. And so I was in here again about 3.30 in the morning. And I heard another fucking poop from the no. kitchen. And, it's not, and I haven't heard that shit ever since. I've been living in the same house for forever. So I think a fucking ghost came and crop dusted my fucking living room <laughs> and had to fuck on about his business. Now, have you ever heard anybody else in the apartment complex say that they've had any Never. issues with ghosts? Nobody even stays over here. I still live in a, a like my my apartment is renovated, I oh. guess, so they say, and they're in the process of renovating the other ones. And I guess they're lazy as fuck. Nobody still ain't moved over here. Man, that's crazy. So the ghost that farted, huh? 
I grabbed the poot from goddamn Christmas past. <laughs> um, man, that's wild. Uh, yeah, that's that's a first on the podcast. We haven't ha- heard any other stories about uh, ghosts that are, are going around crop dusting people. Right. A fart is a very specific sound. It's not like, you know what I mean, a creak in the floor or a damn, you know, a fucking neighbor moving. Now, did you it's smell anything fart. when you went in the kitchen? Absolutely not. <laughs> now, if I would have smelled a fart, I would have called the fucking police. <laughs> got my shit and got out of there. Hell yeah. I know you hear these crazy stories where like uh, people think there's a ghost in their house and then they find out like somebody was living in their attic or something, you know? <laughs> right. You got somebody that living in your bathroom. Crazy. Damn, that would be crazy. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. So other than that, now I know you said that your parents kind of uh, are, are were in the church. Um, were you raised religious? Yeah. Pretty much, I guess. I mean, my, my parents went to church every week. You know what I mean? Every two times every week, or like Sundays and Wednesdays, Bible studies. But I wasn't necessarily, uh, I don't know how you say it. A good guy, <laughs> you know what I mean. I was, I was in there, you know what I mean, playing the drums, but I also was out of there. You know, I had one foot in, one foot out. Do you feel like growing up in the church uh, made you more or less likely to believe in ghosts? It made, yeah, it made me more likely to believe in spirits. Yeah, just like I believe in aliens. I believe in, I believe in everything that's that's out here because why not? Who am I to say that there's no ghosts? Who am I to say that there's no aliens, you know? Who am I to say? Because I, it has to be something, you know? Yeah. How do we get here? Feels like, like the who world's are we? too what big are we? not to have more out there, right? Right. What are we? What is Earth? What is this a part of? If you zoom out as far as you can zoom out, what is it, you know? You know, it starts to make you feel pretty small when you think about how big everything really is. Right. That's why I'm like, yeah, it's ghosts. Maybe it's a ghost fucking planet somewhere and they get to pop in on other planets and they get to see how dumb we live. You know? <laughs> I've got a couple Go stories I was going to read for you and kind of get your thoughts on with uh, other music artists that claim they've seen ghosts. Okay. So the first one I've got is with Kendrick Lamar. I'm not sure if you've heard this one before. So this comes from Showbiz Cheat Sheet. So this says Kendrick Lamar said that his contact with the other side was positive. He said he was asleep and he saw a shadowy figure approaching him. And then he, once it got closer, he realized that it was the ghost of Tupac. He said the ghost. Okay. (laughs) He said the ghost stated to him, keep doing what you're doing. Don't let my music die. The ghost words inspired a song from Kendrick Lamar's album, to pimp a butterfly titled Mortal Man. Sample is one of Tupac's secure songs uh, from 1994. So what do you think? Do you think think Kendrick really saw Tupac? I definitely... Look, I definitely believe in ghosts. I, you know what I mean? I, I think that ghosts are definitely a 6.5 real. And I definitely believe that people do see ghosts. But that nigga lying. I know <laughs> hell, he's Tupac. So Tupac done came to see you, bro. Hell nah, man. Out of all <laughs> the people in the world, he comes to see you. Right, out of everybody. Uh, he done pulled up on you. He ain't gonna see his mama. He ain't gonna see his damn kids or whatever the hell. He came to see you. Okay. Yep. Let's see. I got another one. So this is uh, Ariana Grande. So it says, according to her, she encountered a demon during the years truly. I don't believe her already. <laughs> I already. 
She's a fucking liar. <laughs> she said that uh, while visiting a cemetery with her friend, she felt sick and the overwhelming feeling of negativity over the whole car, which smelled like sulfur, which is the sign of a demon. She said there was a fly in the car randomly, which is another sign of a demon. Okay. She says she rolled down the window before we left and said, we apologize. We didn't mean to disrupt your peace. She then took a picture of the cemetery afterwards and noticed what appeared to be three demonic faces in the photograph. She tried to send the image to her manager and found that it contained <laughs> no way. She said they contained 666 megabytes. She promptly deleted the photo. Grande also claimed that a dark black cloud entered her room one night when she could not sleep. She was horrified by the cloud and felt that it fed on fear. After the cloud exited the room, she learned that her friend Taylor, who was staying at her house at night, had the same experience. That was probably just Pete Davidson. Exactly. This is what I call microdosing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the fuck she's doing. She, like you said, she hanging with Pete Davidson. He microdoses. The case closed. Next. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, there's a couple of stories. Some celebrities out there that claim that they sing ghosts. So you're here. You just got your new album out. I listened to it earlier today. It's fucking awesome. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your new album? Maybe some of your past music that um, our audience to check out. Where they can check it out. Your favorite songs. That kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Dark nights is you know a metaphor for you know what I mean how I was feeling or what I was going through and. Uh, pretty much you can find it everywhere. Um, every music streaming platform, every, you know what I mean? Everywhere you can find music. My favorite tracks on there, uh, I don't know. Everyone, every song means something different. When I, when I hear the songs, I don't necessarily hear the song itself. I remember the night that I was doing it or the, you know what I mean? The, the session from right. that, or just the, you know what I mean? That moment. So each song gives me a different feeling, you know what I mean? In that manner. But, you know what I mean? Pretty much all of my, I, I can groove to, you know what I mean? Think, um, probably Van Damme's going to be the single for now, you know? Yeah. Just for now, you know, be, uh, well, according to how long this coronavirus lasts, cause I had a lot of stuff planned as well, which is kind of, uh, you know, yeah. as soon as I drop my shit, oh yeah, stay in the house. It's like fuck. You right. know, I be doing shows. I could be doing X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Shaking hands, kissing babies. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm in the house and having to learn how to you know use these gadgets that the kids are using now. Yeah. And get a hold of these apps and how do you do live? And am I live right now? And yeah. Look at the face, the face tweets. Get you set up that. on Twitch and TikTok, all that stuff, you know? You know what I'm saying? I don't even know about either one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a lost, a wretch undone. Now, you think uh, Dan and them would ever have you perform on Moss Miami? Yeah, which is, it's, which is kind of funny because they had me doing at the Moss Miami at the music concert. They had me giving out tattoos. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why ain't he up on stage? <laughs> Exactly. My mama asked me that. She was like, so they only want you to perform? I was like, uh -huh, I guess not. You know what I mean? And she took it another way. My oh, mama was fucking so adorable. It's like, tell them folks you've been on tour. And yeah. I was like, mama, nobody cares about that at all. Well, you know, the no. fans would lose their mind seeing you up there. That's that's something we've got to push for for Moss 2020. Or what are we? Yeah, Moss 2020. So it's by 2021. I know. Winter edition. Right. 
Right, this might be the new world we live in now, oh, for real. Because yeah. people are crazy. They they just going outside. I know. You know what I mean? Still having a blast, which is crazy. It's crazy. Not considering the people that they can give it to. It's my problem. Yeah, you know? that's the and, and with the the fact that you can be asymptomatic and not show any signs of the virus for like fourteen days. That to me, that's right. the scariest thing because. You know, if people right. are just going on how they feel, well, then we're—it's going to be really hard to truly curve what's going on. Mm-hmm. On a on, on an upswing, uh, a positive <laughs> note, another one. Um, I'm going to ask a, a Dan question here. Are there any crazy stories you can share from uh, your time on tour with like uh, some of these awesome guys you mentioned earlier? Ah, uh, there's a lot of there's <laughs> a plethora of crazy stories, but I don't think that would be. Uh, <laughs> Can't break you know the code. I mean? <laughs> right, right. There are billions, though. <laughs> what uh, what was that moment like for you to you know go from being homeless to you know kind of seeing some of your dreams come true? What was that moment like? The the first time you were on that big stage on tour, how did that settle in for you? Um, it actually was crazy. Um. Because my song that I was my single, it was called Mismatch. Um, I might rebrand, I might reboot that guy and remix the song, but it was called Mismatch. And the words of that song was how I exactly felt uh, towards my homie. Everybody had turned their back on me like, at one point, and it was like every word in that song makes me feel a certain way. So every time that song comes on, it's like. I don't even know. Like it's like I'm not even there. Kind of, I'm in. Like I'm, I'm back in that mode of hitting my old friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You know, like a, like a fucking guy that won't get over shit. But uh, and so it puts me back in that mode every time. So I, I experienced it, but in my mind, it was, it was just some shit that was going on. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's like I snap into hating my friends again. I got you. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <That's heavy. laughs> oh man! Well, I really appreciate you coming on and taking this time and and sharing your story with our audience. Hopefully, we can have some crossover and introduce some people to your music and your personality. I'm telling you guys right now, on the Real Hauntings fan base, if you want to check out a good a good genuine dude uh, who produces a lot of fun content on Instagram, his music's great. Just somebody overall that that you should be supporting. You need to check out. Juju Gotti. And uh, Juju, why don't you share your Instagram with them too? Uh, it's at Juju Gotti. <laughs> For sure. J-U-J-U-G-O-T-T-I. All right, guys. You heard it. Make sure you go check him out. Give him some support. Uh, we love him. We're glad he came on. And maybe we can have him on another time and, and keep diving in deep and, and see what's going on in his life. Somebody we want to support and see have success. On that, I'm Noah Daniels. This is the Real Hauntings Podcast. Woo! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.